Hello there, everyone. Welcome to episode 101 of the Play to Win podcast, the show we break down the week's biggest gaming news through in-depth discussion. I am your host, Tyler, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host here, Tyler, with a fresh, lovely, awesome, new haircut. I was telling you just now before the before the show we started. Yeah, recording, I, that you I was know, like, you oh, we're nice talking cut. about that again. I see. But no, I just gotta <laughs> say, right. I just I just want to call it out. You got a nice haircut, dude. Like, appreciate it. Appreciate it. You know what's funny? Every time you say Tyler and Tyler, I'm just like, it's a little weird that we don't talk about that. More <laughs> often. I honestly just forget. Even yeah. though I should be used to it, we. I'm your. Well, you're a little younger than me, but still, I'm sure we're in that period where every there's like three Tyler's per class as a kid. I assume, right? Like you I just, don't know. I couldn't get away from it. There was always at least one other. Usually there were two other Tylers. And I, I was, was always the like, only one in my classes. There was never really? another one. Yes. I see the year I came, I was born 93. Uh, God, I feel old saying that. But uh, the year <laughs> I was born, it was like the fifth most popular boy name or something like that. So it wasn't exactly a surprise that mm. the classes I was in were littered with other Tylers. I know I met a girl named Tyler when I was at college. But she yeah, was never in my classes. She was in a different like year than me. But it's like it's oh, not the most common uh, girl name, but it is definitely a girl name. I've I've seen that not a ton. Um, but yeah, not quite as popular as Taylor, but still. Yes. Yeah. I no, but yeah, I've never never been in another grade in another class with a Tyler. Never ever. <laughs> First time I'm actually doing something with another Tyler is this? Just like, oh, what are the odds of that? Oh wow. You know. As well, we, that, as I told you before, when you and I first started doing this, two T's on a pod. That'd be the name of the lifestyle podcast if we were to ever have one. <laughs> two T's on a pod. <laughs> that's what people are gonna wildly sense. assume that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> two T's in a pod doesn't sound much better. You're right. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. So you know, two T's on a pod. What is it? That just works better. It just makes more sense. Yeah. Once. Once. If that if that pod ever gets going, we'll we'll hit we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> cross it when we get there, exactly. Uh, if you enjoy the Play to Win podcast, though, this one here, uh, you know, subscribe on podcast services and on YouTube. Hit the notification bell on YouTube so you know as soon as new videos and other episodes go live, and leave a five star review on podcast services, letting us know how much you enjoy the show and the fun banter that we have back and forth with one another. This week is one hell of a way to start off the next 100 episodes of the Play to Win podcast. Uh, yeah. We, we got some big news in multiple different shapes and forms. E3 is canceled again this year, possibly forever. Uh, it's multiverses, forever, probably. Multiverses is shutting down temporarily. Uh, PlayStation VR 2 sales are kind of lackluster. And we have Tears of the Kingdom gameplay to talk about 10 minutes of it it's glorious yeah we do it's beautiful and man are we both very excited for that game we're not gonna talk about that first though that'll be at the end of the episode bringing it up (laughs) yeah i gotta tease you gotta tease the thing sometimes you know just like well there's timestamps though so i guess if the people don't care about those other two things they can also just skip forward which we appreciate that view as well yes not any less valid (laughs) timestamps are always in the description of course if you just want to bounce around First, though, we got, I mean, Tears of the Kingdom was going to be the headlining news for this week until um, E3 got canceled. So we need to talk about that first. There's just no getting around it. E3 yeah. 2023. RIP. RIP. It is not happening this year. The or, ESA, or ever. 
probably ever again. They're gonna well. they're gonna try this shit again next year, and it's gonna end just as poorly. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Let's let's lay out the timeline. Let's lay out the timeline for how this news all played out this week. Okay. So at the start of the week, I think it might have been Monday or Tuesday, Ubisoft confirmed to VGC that they were not going to be at E3. Previously, they publicly stated, yeah, we'll be there. If E3 happens, we'll be there. And then this week, they said to VGC, actually, we're not going to do that. We're going to do our own show on June 12th for our own Ubisoft Forward. And when that happened, everyone was like, whoa, okay, that's weird. That's crazy. That's wild. Um, Ubi- so Sony, Nintendo, and Xbox are out. You're losing Ubisoft. Who's going to be there? And at this point, how do you even have a show if Ubisoft isn't there? And I even said on Twitter, when you lose Ubisoft, who supports everyone, no matter what, they support everyone. If you lose Ubisoft, you know you've done something wrong. Like you've lost, you lost your path somewhere along the way. That's the thing. I don't think it's about doing something wrong as much as, well, I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the holding companies and what E3 itself has not done great the past, whatever, two, three years. But what I will say is I think like it's not about doing something wrong. Like Ubisoft was always doing that show. It was clearly just their PR team had Ubisoft sent the message. Hey, until this date, we're going to say we're participating in E3. But actually, like they've had this in the works probably since at least last year. Because was Ubisoft part of they were part of E3 last year, I'm guessing, right? Was there E3 in 2022? I don't remember. Yeah, there was a digital one. Greg Miller hosted it. Remember? Was that that was 2022? They, I thought that was 2021. Because there was no E3 in 2020. I thought there was E3 2021, but then they skipped last year, I think. I think they canceled they? last year. I'm See, pr- I thought I'm it was the other way around. Positive. I thought it was well, 2020 got canceled for sure. I know 2020 they did not have an event. 2021, so it's either one or two. I don't know which 2020, one. 2020 2021, I'm pretty sure is the year that there was E3. Because if I'm right, Karen and I were like talking about 20 um e3 stuff that year hold on guardians of the galaxy came out 2021 yes it was that year that was that year for sure um but the 2022 it was supposed to happen and then they skipped it and then that's what they brought in read pop and then we got to this year that's how it went down okay yeah yeah 2021 there was indeed one um, it's even it's an even weirder timeline then to think about it that way. Um, yeah, we should have seen this coming. That well, I mean, to be fair, I did. I kind of said that this year was going to be terrible and that it would never happen again. I was just somehow now I feel like an idiot for not even calling this. But to be fair, it's kind of ballsy to be like it's going to be canceled before it even happens. Well, um, well, hold on. Let me let's break down the rest of this timeline here. All right, Ubisoft said they're going to bounce up. IGN a day later, I think, reports that Sega and Tencent were also not going to be there amid like other rumors that the show might not be happening. Um, the IGN report is much more lengthy. I think it was Kat Bailey and Rebecca Valentine both uh, put this report out and all. Great job, by the way. The two of them killing it over there, like in games journalism. Both of them like, are great. Yeah. That was amazing. Um, but like the whole report is very lengthy. Good read, though, giving insight. Like publishers were like, more publishers were like unsure whether they were going to be there or whether the show was even going to happen. Uh, and then in her, in their report, they're saying that like Repop was kind of feeling a bit of betrayal from like publishers who was, who was saying, yeah, we'll be there. But actually they were now like walking their statements back and all. Uh, so then Thursday comes, Thursday comes along and the ESA and Repop both put out a statement. They both announced that the event was canceled 
officially, uh, which very shocking. Shocking from the perspective of, you know, you got, you brought in Reed Pop after last year, in the year before. You brought in Reed Pop, you know, who puts together packs, New York Comic Con, other conventions and all, like, you know, great at putting together conventions. Uh, in the gaming space, specifically packs, which is highly, I guess you could say, revered amongst the gaming community for conventions and all like that. You bring in Reed Pop, which is kind of like seeming like a sign of, okay, we're looking to an expert to really help us re- reinvigorate this show. And the, some of oh, the plans- I didn't take they, it that way, but- That's how I took it. And then you announce some of these plans of like things that they're trying to do for the show where you're going to have industry days only and then business and, and then public days. And then they're each going to be like in their own separate venues, which is addressing critiques that the media have had for years ever since E3 went public of- we're trying to go to our appointments, but we're on these lines with like all, with all the public. So like, how are we supposed to even get to things we need to get to and do our jobs and all like that? So like, you they're making these changes that are sounding like okay, these are changes in the right direction. But then, you know, in recent months, we're hearing these things of hey, people still haven't gotten much clarity on what's happening with E three this year. It's still unknown what's going on, who's going to be there, I, and it's just like, damn. This is how we, we get to here. And it's just a damn shame. All I want to say, I want to put on the record, if you believed any of that stuff uh, about E3, about the, if you sold the line E3 sold you uh, last year, then I'd like to sell you a bridge because um, it was, I don't know, to me, last year felt like a death knell. Not having one after having one in 2021 felt huge. 2021 being kind of, it sucked, you know, let's just be real. Yeah, good. it was like a, it was digital only. It was kind of like it. I'm looking back on it. I think 2021s felt like a a thrown together attempt to do something digitally, but like it just there was no real organization behind it actually working out. It was just like let's try to make this digital without any expertise on how to do this digitally. It just didn't work out in any shape or way, shape or form at all. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. They brought in Reed Pop, but like, I think bringing in a parent company that's or a company that's good at organizing fan events is like that was never even in E3's heyday. The reason why fans were there were not because this was a fan convention. It was always because this mattered to the industry. It was the place to be because it was the only place you could get the source of information. So I think. I think that's a misreading on E3's part. They just, they're associating with like, we were at our height, we were at our zenith when people wanted to go here desperately and like would pay whatever they could to get a fake press badge or, you know, some phony whatever um, back in like the 04, 05, back before it shut down, it, it got way too tight and then it lasts a little bit, but it's never, never recovered as far as like pure numbers and relevancy. But at the same time, in 2013-14, the digital media landscape hadn't evolved to the point where, like, everyone was doing directs and everyone had this uh, direct form of communication. It was kind of like that middle, uh, that awkward middle ground um, in the transition into where we're at now. So they, to me, were just like, hey, it used to be really popular when a lot of people were here. That's how we get our clout back. But it's like your clout's gone, man. And clout was all you ever had. You were all you ever truly were was a name that was associated with a time period that we all dearly love. Well, people our age that like were way too dorky about video games uh, and the news. And like, as, as much as I have a nostalgia for that and it's near and dear to my heart, 
it's just it became obvious that like Keeley understood what made that special and was trying to harness it in a way that was like actually attainable and realistic for you know 2022 at the time 2023 now um in the future going forward you know like as corny as sometimes his events can be a little bit and like i have my criticisms i do think keely ultimately cares about video games and making sure they stay relevant and i think he understands it and like this is r.i.p to e3 but it's only to the dumb company in name which was never what it was about to me christmas in june still lives on even if it's i think i saw in the comments someone put it's like a christmas hanukkah now or it's instead of uh Christmas in June, it's Hanukkah in June. It's just more spread out. Oh, it's God. like over seven <laughs> days instead of just like you're getting everything you wake up and you're like, <laughs> you know, that was the three days of chaos. Now it's like a two week span of just like, okay, whose direct is today? Okay, yep, we're going to go see that one, you know, uh, and yeah. companies avoiding each other and stepping over their toes. Whereas like, man, those Mondays, especially when it was like Microsoft in the morning and then, or would they do it Sundays either or, Microsoft in the morning and then like Sony at night followed by whatever, like Ubisoft, who cares? Ubisoft um, would be in the middle. Sunday was, yeah. I mean, um, Sony was always the last one to go. Yeah. And those days were just, those days were awesome. Cause it was just, it felt so loaded and now it just feels ludicrous because companies want, you know, the whole day to themselves. They want to be what people talk about in that news cycle. Uh-huh. And ultimately I don't necessarily know if, like, I think those are all still fleeting attempts. I think if your game's not good, we're just not going to talk about it. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you'll still get your ass beat by whatever Sony puts out there if it's good or Tears of the Kingdom, you know. it's. But at the same time, I get it. They want to maximize potential eyeballs and viewership and blah, blah, blah. This is the end result of analytics, you know, crossing with uh, marketing and sales. So um, E3 is just a di- It's a dinosaur, you know, in its state. Yeah. Long live I, summer games fest. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to get to that, but I want to pull, I want to like just refer to this um interview that games industry.biz did with the president and CEO of the ESA, Stanley Pierre Lewis. Um, so the, there's, it's a lengthy interview. Um, I recommend reading the whole thing. Uh, but I just pulled like three specific points, uh, main talking points from it. One being what went wrong Two being how would E3 return if it does? And three, will it be back next year? So the first one, what went wrong? Here's what uh, Mr. Pierre-Louis had to say. He says, quote, we were off to a strong start. And this is just part of his full answer, but I, I boil it down to like this part right here. Uh, he says, quote, we were off to a strong start. There was interest among exhibitors, industry players, media, and certainly the fans. Ultimately, however, there were challenges that proved too large to surmount. First, Several companies have reported that the timeline for game development has been altered since the start of the COVID pandemic. Second, economic headwinds have caused several companies to reassess how they invest in large marketing events. And third, companies are are starting to experiment with how to find the right balance between in-person events and digital marketing opportunities. With all that said, we remain committed to providing a platform for industry marketing and convening, but we want to make sure we find the right balance for the industry's current and ongoing needs, end quote. And I, I think this is something, what he says here is something that I kind of have heard some other people in gays media talk about in the months and weeks leading up to today, well, this week's announcement. Yeah. Um, when, like, I remember hearing specifically in regards to Microsoft and Nintendo when the rumors were like, hey, that they weren't going to be there. 
Um, so I remember, I think it was Andy Robinson, might have been him specifically, it was multiple people saying like, you know, with just with inflation being a thing right now, and there certainly normally would have been more clarity in terms of what, hap what was happening with E3 and all, and just the ease of directs and everything. It seemed like Microsoft was probably just going to be doing, was, it made sense for Microsoft to pull out if they were going to pull out at the time, because, you know, marketing budget, we could just instead use that marketing budget on our own thing. Same for Nintendo. It's like, okay, well, we don't really have too much to show past Pikmin, maybe, um, but, you know, we could also just use that money for our own things. And then again, there is the game dev side of things of COVID and all like that, and how also just game development is taking longer. So, hey, multiple companies might not have things to show and all like that. And then again, the, just that experiment between, all right, do we go in person for this? Do we just put out a, do a, hey, here's a Capcom special event today, if, you know, for half an hour or so. Like, do we just do one of those things? What's easier? What makes the most sense? Um, it, so it like all those things in a, you know, taken into account, it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, everyone might've been interested at first, but then, you know, as the world changed oh, in the past year, just, you know, the economy and stuff. And then people just also realizing, hey, you know what? Maybe it doesn't make sense for us to pay to be at E3. We, we could just do our own thing. Because it's not even just like paying to be a part of E3. It's also like, all right, if we're going to have a booth, then we need people staffing the booths. We need stuff at the booths and all like that. We need to build the booths, like all those things and all. We need to pay for things to be trapped, to, to send things over there and all. Like it's a giant cost. And it's like, what's the return on investment? If we you know how great is that? Well, we could just maybe do something ourselves. So, that that's one side of things, and I could understand if Reed Pop and the ESA, specifically Reed Pop, to stay with the one putting it together, might feel a bit blindsided by this, by like the sudden change of everyone, like the exhibitors, their like sudden change of heart. Where it's like, hey, you all were into it at first at all, but now you're backing out, and now we're left with nothing to do for a show. But we were working with like. Because the thing is, Reed Pop would like they took everyone's um, like their desires for the show. They were like, all right, you all want to do these things? Cool, we'll we'll do these things, so on and so forth. And then everyone who said they wanted to do these things said, actually, you know what? We're gonna instead of going to this club, we're gonna go to that club instead. And they were like, wait, wait, funny hold on. That you said club because that was my that was my analogy. This comes across as like a super desperate dorky guy like inviting all of his friends, including like you know the you know the hot uh people and just like all of them you know hot girls in this analogy because it's a dorky dude and they're just like um well we're not gonna go because so and so you know chad or michael or whatever is not going and then that's sony and that's uh microsoft and then who ubisoft was like the last one or whatever and then everyone else was just like their regular friends and then they got all the indies were their regular friends and then they got mad because it was just their friends down there like you know what never mind the events canceled <laughs> and you're just like my guy they were they were never that into you <laughs> but then we also have the question of all right so how would ether return if it does here's what he had to say it says quote what we want to make sure we are doing is providing a platform that works for the needs of the industry that means continuing to ask the questions we were asking in the last round but also monitoring how they want to deploy their assets in an evolving world. But we also need to be mindful that we are in the midst of a very different period for industry in terms of game development and economic headwinds. So we want to make sure we are providing a platform in a way that is sustainable for today and in the future. 
It's a matter of finding the right pitch. And I mean that in the sound way for the needs that are evolving. They're continuing to experiment with how they market their works. We're seeing other shows coming back slowly, but coming back. They're at a different scale and investment commitment than E3. So we have to continue to work on how we create a dynamic and sustainable model that meets the needs of the industry, end quote. Again, Not just- happening. E3's dead, guys. Right. So uh, you know what? Perfect segue. Will E3 be back in 2024? That was a direct question that was asked. Quote, we're committed to providing an industry platform for marketing and convening, but we want to make sure we find that right balance that markets the needs of the, that meets the needs of the industry. We're certainly going to be listening and ensuring whatever we want to offer meets those needs. And at that time, we will have more news to share, end quote. To me, that is a bit of a non-answer. It's an answer that says maybe- a bit of a maybe, non-answer. It's a, it's a maybe we'll be back in the future, that's, but don't count on it type of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's the most non-answer ever. But to me, that reads is like, no, but we're going to potentially try. But the, Yeah, it says no for next year. To me, it's a no for next year. We want to come back in the future, but it's no for next year. And that, I guess that goes but, into the final question. Like, do we have any faith that it's going to return, period? Not next year, just period at any point in the future. No. Um, and here's why, because the only way it would have ever come back is they sold the naming rights or, you know, they sold them naming rights, whatever it would be to Keeley and he gets the rebranded as E3. Um, but I don't think he wants it at this point. I think he's like, fuck you guys. Summer Games Fest is my own and it's the new E3. Everyone gets it without needing it to be called E3 and I'll do this on my own um, is my read of it. I don't think. Yeah, I just don't think we're going to see um, see E3, especially under this like parent company under the actual ESA and everything. Um, it's it's not coming back. Yeah, and like I don't, I personally don't think it is either. Like after it was canceled last year, right? I was always of the mindset of okay, they say they're coming back next year. Next year needs to be that year where like it's the make or break year of okay, whatever you attempt, if it works out cool you got a chance to come back in 2024 if it doesn't work like if you have the show happen and it doesn't work out maybe you can or maybe you don't but if the show doesn't happen in 2023 we're probably not getting another e3 again because as he he says here like e3 no matter what your thoughts on it e3 is on another scale compared to other showcases and it's a big thing. So, for, you know, to not have it happen again, like, I, it's one of those things where I think the final domino fell. Humpty Dumpty fell down for the last time. We can't put them back together again. And, like, any attempt to do so, you'd have to really rethink, okay, how do we put you, get, put you together again to make you stick? Like, we need to take actual time to do that. And I think that's more than just a year I think that's like two, three years before A3 potentially comes back, if it ever does. And then even then, when it comes back, it would have to come back as a fan fest. It just wouldn't be. That's the thing. Like when it comes back, it sounds like it's going to be, if it ever comes back, it'll be in a very different form. And let's say it's, it is two years from now. So 2025 or 2026, right? Who's to say that whatever form it is at that point in time is up to the, the need it's like up to the needs of the industry at that point who's to say it's it's at that level of okay everything is way more digital you get what i mean or you, you, it's you know 
I'm, I know what I want to say, just putting it together into yeah, words. But like, is it up to par, up to the standard, to, to the current industry standard at that time of what marketing is, of what networking is in terms of getting news out, sharing stuff, uh, different teams meeting, so on and so forth, media coming together to uh, share news and do these demos and all like that. Like, is it up to that standard at that point in time? Because the standard for companies divulging this news and putting out news has changed so much in the past five years where before you only had Nintendo doing directs to now you have literally everyone and their mother doing a digital event at some point in one way, shape or form. Many of them aren't that good, but basically everyone is doing them now because it's just so much easier and so much more convenient to be able to share the news when you want on your own terms, as opposed to having to put together a demo for a specific time of the year and share a bunch of your news at a specific time of the year, because that is what, you know, the, that's what the industry, um, what's the word? The industry has like typically required of everyone. Everyone needs to be here in June for E3 with a demo and all your big news as opposed to now. It's like, all right, we can share our news on a random Wednesday, <laughs> on a random yeah. Wednesday on any month of the year, like at any hour we want to. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I I don't think it'll be back. I don't have much faith. The part of inside, though, I want it to return because of the nostalgia, you know, E3 has, I've said it to you before, but E3 has always meant like so much to me. I have so many fond memories of watching E3 as a kid on G4 or just watching the streams and, you know, on YouTube, let's say like 2013 on and all like that. I have so many fond memories of it. It means a whole lot to me. Um, and like the, I've seen people say this and it's so true. The energy that you get from like E3 events, like E3, um, like, press conferences and all is such a different energy from just like the directs and the streams that we get these days like yeah it's still it's cool yeah you have that pop-off when you see the first ever gameplay for marvel's wolverine right and, and like a state of play or playstation showcase yeah you'll have a pop-off but it's a very different pop-off than seeing it on the e3 stage it's a different yeah, type of I energy that's there and like it's, it's something that can't be replicated. And I miss that. I miss that. I miss just seeing the people themselves, you know, come out on the stage and talk about their thing. Yes, we might still see them in a digital like director to showcase, but it's just something is missing when it's pre-recorded as opposed to live on stage. It's, you get what I mean? Oh, I know. I know what you mean. Cause it's like, it's the same intangible reason we all like going to the movie theaters. Um, it like objectively, there's not much of a difference other than like, oh, big screen, but it's like, okay, well, I mean, does that really matter? You know, it's not going to be on the big screen forever. You're also paying more. It's just a more of a hassle and a setup for everyone involved. Wouldn't a more efficient way to do this just be to deliver it directly to people, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's more incentive for the movie uh, industry to keep on pushing movie theaters versus like the games industry. This is purely just for marketing. But ultimately, it's those same intangibles that you like. You like the smell of popcorn. You like it's fun to sit in this chair and go somewhere, and it's it feels special. E three felt special and different. But here's the thing: it's never coming back that way. If it comes mm -hmm. back in yeah. any form, it's just gonna be fucking packs. It's gonna be a different version under a different name, and they might throw out 
Ubisoft or they may rein in one or two, you know, sem- like big publishers, but like they're never getting Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo back. Let's establish that. Not happening, period. Guarantee Keeley will have Microsoft on a deal. He may have Sony. Nintendo will probably continue to do his own, their own thing, but I think they partnered with him last year. So who knows? They're never getting any one of those backs, and it'll never have the clout or relevancy. We just have to be happy we got to experience that because ultimately yeah. what, what this means is all the 13 to 18-year-olds that watch Twitch don't give a shit about that. They're just like, just I want to see what cool new games there are. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, the genie's out the bottle at this point. Like, the genie left the bottle in 2020. Once COVID happened and everyone had to start doing their own things, that was the point where it was like, oh, man. is Yeah, it hit the gas on what was an inevitability anyways. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, it definitely accelerated that timeline by at least five years. Everyone was forced to, like, all of the not forward-thinking companies were forced to do this thing. They were probably like the heads were scared to do. Oh, it's a digital event. Oh, what do we have to do? And then they realized it's just paying Greg and Mike and Tim from wherever to just sit there and <laughs> edit together. And they're just like, "All right, here's the camera, boss, get in front of the camera." And then they were once they were done, they were like, "Oh shit, that was it. What, what did that cost us? Oh, nothing else because we already pay these people. Oh, we maybe hired a couple out of out of you know uh, studio editors and shit. Like they're like, that's it." Oh, we're never going back to E3. <laughs> exactly. Like, that was super easy. Why was I scared of this the whole time? And then it was just like, it's just that on a bigger, bigger level. And a bunch of people just being like, yeah, we're done here, guys. Sorry. Yeah. And it's like, I know you said that before that, like, you know, Jeff Keighley got us with Summer Games Fest. And like, yeah, Summer Games Fest is cool. It's never going to be on the level of E3. And we, I, I personally don't think it will just because of partially because of the clout and nostalgia associated with e3 but also summer in my eyes e3 typically more hits than misses than summer games fest and granted summer games fest this is only the technically fourth year it's going to be happening uh and of course jeff is only constrained by what he's given but summer games fest hasn't always been a hitter it, it can be pretty missy uh, in comparison to E3, where like it's generally more of a hit than a miss. And even when like, you know, someone's show might be a bit lackluster, like let's say Nintendo's show at E3 might be a bit lackluster. Okay, theirs might have been, but you still got Sony and and Microsoft well, and EA and to be clear, Ubisoft. Summer Games Fest is the name, the new name brand attached to it. And I think yeah. as long as it's there people will still rally around this time of the year. I think that's why Summer Games Fest is important because and why it needs to be successful for this to continue is I do think there's still a want and a desire at the same time to come together and like present these things, but is they need a rallying point. Whereas like if that's not there, then all of a sudden maybe Sony or whoever, or even Microsoft, I think Sony's kind of like, what year was it? Was it last year that they didn't do? No, they did a, yeah, they did a presentation in early June last year. It was like maybe it was 2021 where they were just like, oh, we're not going to do that. Um, I, for- I forgot how it went in 2021. It's been but, a while. But if then all of a sudden studio or publishers start pulling out of that, then then that'll suck to me. But to me, it's the new name brand of E3. But really, E3 is in our hearts as Ju- early June. The first – and now it's like I said, that with that comment or – yeah, I think I said it on the pod, the analogy of – it's now just a uh, Hanukkah in June instead of Christmas. <laughs> it's just spread out 
over two weeks now and it's a bunch of different events but as long as we have that as long as there's a lot of things to get excited about we know we can look forward to it it is it a bummer that it's not spread out like ever a jam-packed three and a half days yeah but at the same time we'll all live like it'll yeah. still be a lot of fun but we need i think games fest we need a central point for everyone else to kind of anchor their time frames around even if they're not actually a part of it um versus like if that doesn't hold up then all of a sudden Microsoft has one in June. Sony has one in October. Nintendo has one in March, which will still, you know, all be fine. But it'll be more boring, in my opinion. I like your outlook on it. I like your outlook on it. It gives your your final statements right there. Kind of gave me a a bit more of an optimistic view on things. It's I, it's fine to be optimistic about this. It's E three is just a sad shell of itself. You didn't want. It's like your grandpa or grandma. You don't want the last memories of it to be it on its deathbed. Being, and that would have been that would have been this year with E3 would have been like, oh, you know, what? you said exactly what um, Imran Khan said on Twitter. He said, I think he said it after uh, it, get, it got announced that E3 was canceled. He said, you know, I feel like no E3 is better than a bad E3, yeah, which is, 100%. you know, what it's like, it's very true. Because like yeah. if it was if it was to happen, it would have been like, what was the point of this? You could have just done nothing instead, and that would have been point, better. Twenty twenty one was already like they're not doing well, and you're just like, oh man, I don't know how much longer they have. And then it, this would have been coming back, like I said, where there's like, I can't remember you, and you're like, shit. And, <laughs> but instead, you avoided that, and you're just like, oh man. But it, your last memory was kind of shaky. But other than that, nothing but pristine memories. <laughs> so we had one cancellation. Already, let's talk about another cancellation of sorts. That being Multiversus, the open beta that it has been in since it released at some point last year is shutting down this June, uh, which is surprising because I didn't realize the game was still in open beta. Nobody I definitely, did. I think everyone thought this game was actually out. Like we remembered, yeah, it wasn't like beta or alpha when like early last year, but apparently it's been in open beta since what september whenever the first season started it's been an open beta since then and we weren't aware i mean because you know it had it had two seasons going on they had all the in-game purchases the microtransactions and stuff that you could buy we all thought it was actually out but it was just an open beta all this time which is yeah surprising. this yeah and this reach of desperation um <sighs> It could be an E3 situation where it's like, it's not coming back, guys. But I don't know <laughs> this game or the scene enough to, to like, declare that for sure. Just co- I won't be color shocked if this never comes back. Um, and if it does, I could see, like, them having an initial surge spike of, like, people being like, oh, shit, yeah, I kind of miss it. And coming back and playing it whenever it comes back up. And then this is just going to happen again. Um, yeah. Let, let's talk about Another live this. service game bites the dust, really, <laughs> is all it is. Let, let's, let's talk about this. So... They put out this blog post, right? Um, here's the broad strokes, the important information up, up front. Multiversus, it's going to be shut down June 25th of this year. All online modes and features will be unavailable and updates are going to be paused. But you'll still be able to play the game offline and access anything you purchase. So that basically amounts to playing in the training mode and then doing local offline matches. You could do those things, but you cannot do anything involving the online section. The reason that they're doing, they're aiming to bring the game back for its quote-unquote full launch early next year, and this will consist of new modes, characters, and features, 
all your progress in my abs are going to carry over. Okay. Now I'm going to pull up the blog post because they kind of say in here, why are we doing this? So I'm going to read that to you from the blog post. It says here, Throughout our open beta, we've been working hard to build the best gameplay experience, and we appreciate all of the inspiration you've given us. Our open beta has been an important learning opportunity for us and a stepping stone to the next phase of multiverses. We know there's still a lot of work to do, and as a result, we have a clearer view of what we need to focus on, specifically the constant cadence of new characters, maps, and modes to give you more ways to enjoy the game, along with updated netcode and more matchmaking improvements. We'll also be reworking the progression system based on your feedback and looking at new ways for you to connect with your friends in the game. And then that's when they go on to say that they'll, to do this the right way, we're closing the open beta. And one thing, like Multiverses has just as they've been slump of sorts for the past couple months because season two started in November of 2022, if I'm correct. And since season two started, the game has only added one character, whereas season one added like three or four characters. So ever since season two came out, there's been like nothing new added to the game, essentially, from what I've understood. Um, and season two was, original, was originally supposed to end in March, I believe, but now it's being extended to June 25th when the open beta is going to be shut down. Um, and the game is going to be delisted on april hold on hold on i'm looking at it right now here we go april 4th april 4th the like what's that two days after this ep- no the day after this episode goes live uh multiverses is going to be delisted so you won't be able to download it if you have not downloaded it already um if you have downloaded it already and you don't have it on your system you can re-download it um you won't be able to buy like the in-game microtransactions or anything after april 4th they're good that's going to be unavailable um it's it's just like man okay you guys are like just pulling this down taking it down entirely and i like the way they spin it like when you read like you read what i read here and they spin it like yeah we're doing this to make the game the best it can be as we get to the next phase of multiverses but like to anyone actually paying attention to the life to the status of the game which had like I had a really poor number of players, like a player count on Steam like a month ago or earlier this month. I forgot the exact number, but it was really low. I think it was like less than a thousand players on Steam playing this game. Uh, if, you, if you're aware of all this, you read between the lines. This is actually them saying, our game is in the most dire state. We want to we wanna try to try this again. We want to run it back next year and see if we can do this right. Is that actually going to work out though? Do you think it's going to work out? No. God, no. I don't think it's going to work out in the sense that, like, is this game up for years to come? God, no. Um, I think it could relaunch. Like I said, I don't think that's outside of the realm of possibility. I also don't think it's impossible that, like, it just never comes back. Um, It just becomes a dollars to, like, you know, like, manpower for relaunching it, what they actually think. Because, like, obviously they have, I'm sure, their business models to, like, you know, uh, extrapolate and say, this is how many people we think are going to play, which equates to X amount of dollars. And then the suits at Warner Brothers or Discovery now, whatever it is, just go like, um, okay, is that profitable enough to justify going back up? And the answer, if it's no, will mean they're not um, going to relaunch. And if it's maybe, it's like, well, yeah, we'll do it. Um, And then 
we get what another six months or whatever it may be. And then this time next year or a little later next year, it's like, Oh, it's, it's gone forever now. Um, Mm -hmm. This is, this is why live service games are stupid. Not because it's impossible to be a game that's profitable and that continues forever. But the idea that people want games that continue forever, I'm sure there's people that play this game, enjoyed their time with it and moved on and treated it like a regular game. Guess what? You could have gotten twenty, thirty, sixty dollars out of them. Instead, you got mm-hmm. maybe the five dollars of cosmetics. You're not Fortnite. You're not Apex. You're not like ask PUBG how PUBG PUBG's probably fine with how it's doing as it's at least trucking along. But and they're the ones that kind of kicked off this whole craze. Uh, you know, from the recent I know technically Daisy was first for uh Battle Royale, et cetera, but you know, PUBG was the one that hit it big, and then now they're they're not even doing that well. It's like you know, realistically, Fall Guys is doing pretty well. Like I know my, you know, my girlfriend still plays it. Um, yeah, and it seems like that's doing well enough. But who knows? Like all of these games are on a limited, you know, lifeline. The only games we know for sure that are probably running forever at this point are Fortnite and Apex. And maybe Call I'm missing one of well. the big ones. Huh? Call of Duty. Oh yeah, of course, Warzone. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you actually brought up something I was going to ask. That being like, honestly, do we think the game multiverses specifically? would have been better served just being a game where you pay a flat fee for it, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever the case may be. And you get yourself, you know, you get a full game and there, maybe there is a season pass for unlock for like, like characters that will add as DLC down the road. But like, it's a full, it's a game you pay a flat price for. It's not necessarily live service, but there is a season pass. We add new characters and new maps. And I mean, in new stages, um, with each new character drop every couple months. You think it would have been better served as that? Basically, I guess, following Possibly. the Smash Ultimate model of how Possibly. it So I don't think Smash Ultimate, obviously, is a good comparison because Smash has Smash. But Of course. I'm just saying have how to... Smash did in terms of adding new characters and stuff. Yeah. That's just what I mean. I think So I think there's actually, we do have a great comparison. We just have to be able to look at the numbers versus the profitability of multiverses versus um nickelodeon all-stars brawl i thought about that i thought about because that. i mean brawl went the traditional all-stars brawl went the traditional uh route of just releasing a four and theirs was only like 40 bucks i think it might or maybe 50 but it would, definitely wasn't like 70 or 60 um right. and the, you know they had some dlc uh whatever i like it sold reasonably well i don't know if it hit like a million copies maybe it did maybe it was a little short of that or whatever um but what is the profit margin on that? Is that more than, you know, multiverses two to three month window of like actual peak players um, that being free? How much does that equate to money? I don't know. My hunch says it's, I think it's a, like a floor versus ceiling kind of situation. My hunch says the floor of like, if you're a big enough IP, big enough brand releasing the the game, the way all stars brawl did Nickelodeon, is the smarter the safer move i'm i think they probably made more money would be my gut guess but there is the ceiling like when you're doing the sales pitch uh, um even though i don't think all nickelodeon you know cost a ton to make i my guess is not having physical release probably helped the uh helped like you know cut down on costs a little bit for multiverses and there's also the there's also the like it could make this money and they probably use apex or Fortnite as like an example of like 
this could make money indefinitely. And it's just like an ongoing R and D instead of like having to pitch a new sequel and this, and it's, you know, it's less cyclical and it's more just like a never ending. It's, it's less cyclical in that it like, it starts, it dies, we start again. And instead just being like, Hey, it's just a never ending cycle of seasons, but it's like that ceiling is alluring, but you're not that guy. You're not Fortnite. You're not apex. You're not Warzone. Like you are, multiverses that's not that doesn't mean much it'll be fun there will be some word of mouth but guess what also has word of mouth traditional retail releases 40 bucks 50 bucks 60 bucks people will still tell their friends if they really want to play that game um mm-hmm. and you can put out a demo you can put out a beta if people like it then they go and buy it like this idea that the only way to hook someone is to let them play the game free and give these cosmetics no like you played diablo guess what you're probably now going to go and pay 70 bucks for Diablo or 60 bucks. You know, maybe you get it on sale at 40, but like, not probably you are going to be paying that money. And guess what? It didn't take giving you it for free and then making you pay $10. If anything, that might've made you less likely because it's free to play. There's like a downgrade of importance to those games traditionally, um, you know, outside of the name brand. So you'd have been like, eh, Versus just being like, I really like this game. I want to play it. I only got to play it for a short amount of time. Now let me go spend some money to play it. Like this model worked for a long time for a reason. And certain games are the exception to that rule. But like, do you really think you are going to be the exception to the rule? I think these companies got tricked into thinking these are the new rules, but I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. You see, so I'm going to tie my answer to your question to the question I pose that being, will a fresh start be able to save this game? Similar to what you said, maybe in the short term, not in the long term, but I could also see the game not coming back at all, period. Um, I do not think, though, that this relaunch of the game is going to be the saving grace that Multiverses needs. I don't. It, like In the short term, for a month or two, maybe, and then you know we can see like how their actual release cadence goes in terms of like more seasons of content and stuff, then that could you know change the answer a bit. But right now, I don't think long term it will be enough to save Multiverses. And I think that is because, this goes into the question I asked you, I think multiverses, no matter what, it had everything going against it because it's not Smash and because it's a live service game. Stick with me here. Smash is the de facto platform fighter game, multi-character, multi-IP mascot platform fighter game. It is the de facto one. Brawlhalla has been able to live and survive as long as it has. And even that is like lower key, but like that one has been thriving in its own corner. Yeah. But like Nickelodeon All-Stars, it came and like one, it didn't even have voice acting when it first came out. Um, But from what I understand as well, the fighting didn't really feel that great. So like that was already a shot in the foot. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I platinumed it. Yeah, I heard it was fine, but like, not the greatest and also not having voice acting definitely took away a lot from the the character of that game so that was a shot in the foot against um nickelodeon damn down on his knees multiverses comes along and this is coming after smash is like all right smash is done ultimate's done now we could try and like get in on that piece of the pie and you're already going up against like trying to surmount the mountain that is smash whether a person has played it or not, they already have an idea of what this type of game is in their head, what it should be like in their head. And you're competing against the best of the best in their in people's heads. So most people looking at multiverses, oh, this is it. WB has this like litany of IP they can do this with. And it's like, 
it has a different play style to it. It's more competitive focus. Com you know, competitive Smash gets treated like poorly by Nintendo. This is going to be the one that comes out and like takes it down. But again, you're not Smash. So you you can't just go off of name right there and think us going live service will make this work. We'll be able to, you know, just we'll be able to be the king of the castle now. It's not going to happen. It's you're just not. You have so much more to prove. And we saw that where multiverses came out and people were enjoying it and stuff. And then that player count went down. Part of that was because, yes, they did not have enough. They weren't delivering content after with season two. But I'm sure part of that's also because the novelty of it wore off after a bit. Whereas it's, you know, they're like, all right, yeah, it's a cool new Smash type game, but it's not Smash. So, because yeah, so I, I think like even with the traditional model, a traditional model might have been able to help this game some, but even then, it's not Smash. It's not, so not going to have that longevity that Smash has because it's not Smash. I think so. This well, so I looked this up. I don't know how much this is true, like, but there's a site called VG Insights that seems to track this kind of info. So, Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. 159,000 units sold, 5.4 million gross revenue, and uh, multiverses, it has 2.8 million units sold, so that's downloads or whatever, I guess, at $0, obviously. It says 11.8 million gross revenue. I don't know how true that is, um, but the I'm sure the 150, I'm sure the unit sold is easier to track, um, but at the end of the day, I also think multiverses was probably always going to be more popular, so I think you probably, if they got, I think they could have easily doubled the unit sold of All-Star, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. So you would have, worst case scenario, cut cut ties and like, or, you know, it would have been even as far as like uh, what this game made, you know, per whatever. And like potentially more, I think you could have sold maybe half a million units um, or something along those lines. Uh, and if that's the case, you're making more money if you launch at the same price point as Brawl. So I I don't know. Obviously, like I'm very pro the traditional release model, um, and it's not even being anti this. I just I don't. Sometimes I don't know who it's for. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I don't know. It's it's the same with a lot of these games. I think it's going to be interesting going forward. I think that'll be the real telling point is if we keep seeing repeat repeated high dollar investments of this kind of model. Because this is, I think, relatively high dollar. Like, it's not some indie game that's doing it, you know, mm -hmm. um, with 3D assets made in Unity or whatever. Like, this is uh, Warner Brothers putting, you know, at the time, Warner Brothers putting all this money behind this. Um, does it happen again? Like, I I don't know the answer. Part of me says no, because it feels like this is all embarrassing and admitting defeat for them. But maybe it's pro if it's prof profitable enough, they probably don't give a shit about how it looks. Um, and they'll keep trying and trying with hopes of finding of finally having the golden goose or if all of a sudden we just don't see these games kind of appear then maybe that means they admitted defeat yeah i mean hey live service games that bubble is popping for sure um so we'll see what happens with multiverses when it comes next year maybe hopefully it'll maybe it'll be able to live and thrive you know with this new refresh that it gets but i'm i'm not banking on it and i hate to be yeah. cynical like that but i'm just not banking on it at all now, we'll continue cynicism a bit longer because the PSVR 2 sales, they are pretty slow so far. Uh, Bloomberg has reported 
that according to research firm IDC, PSVR 2 is expected to sell only 270,000 headsets by the end of March, which falls short of the 2 million units that Sony reportedly produced for launch. So the vice president (laughs) of data and analytics at IDC, Francisco Geronimo, he told Bloomberg that Sony... To, to him, this is his analyst, uh, analysis of things, that Sony would need to implement a price cut in order to avoid a, quote, complete disaster. Now, I pulled up information for reference, got it from Wikipedia, but, you know, take that as you will. For reference, with the original PSVR, okay? The original PSVR released on October 13th, 2016. And remember, the original PSVR cost $400, but it only came with the controllers, like you needed to, and the controls in the headset, or was it just the headset, I think? You had to get like the other stuff separately. It didn't come with any game. It didn't come with the camera. I think it was the headset. Yeah, it came with controller. the camera. It came with the camera? Yeah. There was something I, I, it did I not have come it. with. It, it came with everything, but it was just like, I, it was kind of a pain, but it, no, it was expensive, but it, it did come with everything. You needed to play a game. I I, I could have swore it, it, there was something it did not come with that you had to buy separately. But regardless, regardless, neither here nor there, um, the PSVR released October 13th, 2016, and sold over 915,000 units as of February 19th, 2017. So in a four-month period, it sold over 915,000 units, which was back then, according to Sony, far beyond their expectations. On June 15th, 2017, PSVR had passed 1 million units sold, and on December 3rd, 2017, a bit over a year after PSVR first came out, it was announced that the PSVR had sold over 2 million units. That's just for reference. We are now about a month past release of PSVR 2, and they were ex- reportedly expecting to sell 2 million? But I've only so sold 270,000. 2 million for launch. Right. So I don't know what that means as far as do they expect um, to sell all that by the end of March or they probably knew I I don't know how many months in advance. I'm sure they started once they started releasing pre-order data, I'm sure it got a little scary for them kind of early. Yeah. And then they were like, it was that traditional thing of like, oh, once it launches, word of mouth's gonna be great, guys. We're gonna blah blah blah, you know. Um yeah, just roll back that clip. What was that a month ago, two months ago, where <laughs> I just said this is gonna be the Vita. Play that. There's my sample statement. <laughs> I yeah. was right again, guys. Um, Sony, you know, you want to avoid these failures, you know, hire me. Um, <laughs> do you think a price cut's gonna happen though anytime soon? And by soon, let's say, let's I say could see soon, holiday this year. Well, okay, by by for holiday, do you see it as like you know, the standard holiday deals or like no, it's like an actual price cut, permanent price cut? I don't know if it's permanent. But instead of like a holiday, because the holiday deals a lot of times, especially for consoles, are bullshit. It's maybe just a free game. So it's like, oh, it's a $50 value or sometimes it's 50 bucks. I could see them like just releasing for a three month period, like November through January, January. just being like, hey, it's a hundred bucks off, maybe even 150, like or a hundred bucks with a free game. You know what I mean? I could see them just kind of getting desperate and doing something like that. If it's bad, if we get the summer version of that, and I know it's already yeah, bad, but like that is that's the desperation move. It's like, oh, 
it's E3, guys. It's the days of play. That's what they call it whenever they would do the like, oh yeah, 50 bucks off the console. Um, so if they yeah. do that version with VR where they're like, uh, free game and $50 off, it's a hundred dollar value. I could see something like that happening in the summer. That's when we know they're like intern if that happens internally, like someone's out there going, guys, we are fucked. Yeah, I don't I think I don't know. I'm not a financial analyst. I don't know how likely I could say a price cut is to be. But if one was to happen, I think, you know, the holiday season, like you said, is probably the most likely time. Uh, If it happened any earlier than, say, September, that'd be It could be the – I could be wrong. Instead of doing – it could be a longer window instead of, like, November to January. It could be, like, September to December. I could see even, you know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine if they said there was a Spider-Man 2 PSVR 2 mode. (laughs) Imagine that. Listen, that <laughs> imagine that that your dream announcement, but the the monkey paw segment we had last week, where I just started <laughs> throwing things out as PS2 VR exclusives, is becoming more terrifying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like if there was a price cut to happen, I can see it being like anywhere from fifty to one hundred dollars of sorts. And like the, this, other, the next question, like, do we honestly think that PSVR two was a mistake? Yes, I've seen some people say. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. I think, I don't know if I'd say that continuing down the VR route was a mistake because I don't think it, I don't necessarily think it is. I think there's value to be had there. Um, and not I from think, a financial standpoint. But pro- that's the thing. Pro- most likely not from a financial standpoint. But like, I think continuing VR2, I don't think it was a mistake, but maybe just releasing it at this time was a mistake. Like there's so many factors with it. Cause like, you know, it's releasing at a time where the economy is just like inflation's crazy and cost of living is up and all like that. So like people have to be more cost efficient with what they're buying and everything like and all. And gaming's already a luxury. This is a super luxury item for gaming. You need a $500 console to even use the thing. So it's already a $1,000 investment at minimum. Like there's, there's levels to it where it's like, all right, this and releasing at this point in time might not have been the best bet, but who's to say that even releasing a year from now might have been better? You know, it I wouldn't mean? have. Like, uh, Sony, I just want to take this moment. Sony, your my affection can be bought. Send me a free unit, and I will probably say nice things about it. Until that moment comes, this was a mistake of uh, maybe even bigger than V. No, probably Vita level uh, disaster. Um, in internally. Don't don't get things twisted. Sony views that as a failure. Um, they probably feel like they were jilted because the Steam Deck's popularity in the Switch. They probably feel like they were just ahead of their time. Um, whereas this, it's like you can't really do. VR existed, um, but this was a mistake. It they're not manufacturing more right now. I would bet money on that. Um, this is folks. If you're a video game collector like myself. Wait till this bad boy bottoms out. Let's get it at two, two fifty, <laughs> maybe even less if you find it at like a pawn shop or something for dirt cheap. And then what we're gonna do is hold on to it because it'll have some value in the future, um, as a novelty. But until then, yeah, this thing is is shit out of luck. Like it's, I mean, we're talking they made two million, they sold ten percent of that, not even ten percent of that. Yeah, this like is bad, folks. This is a bit more than the 10%. opposite of good. <laughs> yeah, like I. I hope all VR projects that we were hoping like Sony's probably got my guess is actual native expensive first party titles. Sony's got two or three in the chamber. They were probably hopefully planning 
and like in the pre-production or like early, very early stages had another two or three. Those are canceled. I'll just tell you guys that right now. I'll spoil that for you. They're gone. We're going to get those two or three and that's it. How many high production Vita titles were there? Like early on Sony first party, there was that wave. And then they didn't come because Sony said, cut all ties with this thing. That's exactly what's going to happen. We might. And I swear to God, I'm Sony, turn on the TikTok camera. Sony, look <laughs> me in the eyes. If you kill Astrobot because of your dumbass decision to re to double down on VR, I swear to God, I will become a primary Xbox player. You will stop <laughs> getting my money if you let this. If it's in production right now as VR2, go ahead. I don't care what it costs. Delay it a little bit. It better also be compatible with the base PlayStation. I do not want your best franchise in forever, your best new franchise, your best new IP in forever. It's your like mascot for half your shit on your website. Do not, do not kill this. <laughs> Make it playable on the regular PlayStation. Do not let Astrobot die, or I will stop playing your damn machine and start Phil Spencer. Uh, I'm your guy if this happens. See, like, like I've always I've been worried since PSVR two was announced that. Man, I hope it doesn't go the route of the Vita. I hope it doesn't go the route of the Vita. And then, you know, all the like the kind of minimal promotion that it got, and then the release and what we're hearing here with the sales and all. I'm really saying even more now, please, for the love of God, don't let this go the route of the Vita. Because I think the only thing that can save this, in addition to a price cut, is actual support. I mean, I've been saying that. I've been saying that all this time. And maybe that is the hopeless optimist. It's me. the hopeless optimism. Maybe, maybe it is, but like actual support and a price cut will could I imagine could definitely help this thing out, but like it needs better substantial you know games, interesting, exciting games to get people in, not just ports of games from Quest Two that are already out there. You know, like we 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 are hearing about some cool so, games that are coming to this, but we need there needs to be another killer. Here's how I know. This is, here's how I know you're this this it's why you're and, an optimist. And this and this if isn't me developer... being like a Sony, this isn't me trying to be like a Sony fanboy or anything. I swear this is me being like an optimist because yeah, I like I know. the technology and all like that. If you're new here, this is just you know, he's he's being an optimist. It's who he is. <laughs> I am I'm the cynic here. I understand <laughs> I, I've been proven right a lot because if you'd like to be on team right, here you go. Um <laughs> and you know, I'm not gonna take all the credit all the credit for this point because actually you know, I was, uh, Jeff Christmas was talking about, I told you when uh, I was listening that he's talking about VR and just like kind of the direness of VR in general, but also when he's talking about PlayStation, like, or just any new VR headset, why, if you're a developer, why are you making a game for PlayStation? He, like, why? And as someone that would, you know, think it's cool if this headset succeeds, which it will not, just let's be clear, it has not and it will not. Best case scenario is honestly the Vita at this point because the Vita had a lot of support and passion behind it. Nobody gives a shit about this thing right now. Um, but if you're a developer, why? The Quest 2 has a bigger install base, lower bar to entry for new people. And honestly, like you can probably make the game a little bit cheaper on Quest 2, I would assume, um, because it's all digital. You know, if I mean, I guess there is the aspect of you can potentially have retail copies out there small advantage for for the psvr2 but like mm -hmm. listen like there's just no reason to develop a game if you want a vr game it's not going to be exclusive to psvr it's only the ones that microsoft pays money for and i'm telling you right now anything that they paid for they're like oh, we're not getting our money back on that thing 
They're literally like they're cutting ties with it. This ship is sinking already. I'm afraid who called it, it is. I'm who afraid called it, it like a month and a half ago. This guy also <laughs> is saying that they will Microsoft. You know I'm right or not? My Sony. Sony, you know I'm right. I'm a man of my word. If you let this kill Astro, I swear to God. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm afraid that it's gonna go the route of the Vita. I've just, like, I've been afraid of that this entire time, and like this even more, just like fueling those fears. I don't. Want the second I lo- saw the launch games, and it was like, oh, this is it. Oh yeah, it's done. It's over. I, I hope, I hope to. There God. wasn't a single reason to own it at launch. The Horizon oh. game, they got mid-ass reviews. Yeah. It's just climbing. Okay, sure. Yeah, I, I hope it doesn't go that way. I hope it doesn't, man. It's a hopeless optimist. Shameless, hopeless optimist here. I'm sorry. I look for the best of things. I try By to look the, the end the of the year, side. that optimism will be beaten out of you. <laughs> I'm gonna, it's going to be like the episode SpongeBob. For this Squidward. console specifically. It's going to be like the episode SpongeBob where Squidward went to the town of all squids. And he was like, yeah. And then slowly but surely, he was just like... Oh dear God, dear God, this is my it's life. You with every video game story, the next two years. Oh, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. <laughs> hopefully, though, hopefully though, it can live. Uh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed on this. You're just gonna sit there and beat me down. <laughs> All right, let's get hype now. We've had enough sad, dour, depressing kind of news. Let's get hyped, baby. Hail to the fucking king, baby. Let's go. <laughs> we... Baby goat is in the building. We got ourselves a nice 10-minute chunk of Tears of the Kingdom gameplay. You know, raw gameplay. And by God, let me say this. Let me, let me say this. You all know I've, I've recently played Breath of the Wild. Played through it. It was my second time trying to go through it. First time actually completing the game. I enjoyed it. I Cynic I Tyler like, has entered the chat. <laughs> I, I didn't think like, oh, yeah, you know, I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the GOAT, though. But I enjoyed it. I saw what it was going for. I had fun with it. Thought things with it could have been done better. So going into Tears of the Kingdom, I've been excited for it. I've been looking forward to it. But I've had my concerns regarding this game. Weapon degradation. Will it be back? Will it not? Will it be better if it is back? Will the open world be, you know, interesting and exciting to explore? You know, I've had my concerns. But this 10-minute chunk of gameplay basically wiped away every concern I had with this game. And I am very excited for it. This will be my Breath of the Wild. I'm almost positive of that. Listen, here's the thing. I am so excited for this game. I just want to put that disclaimer out there. But also, <laughs> it's weird because I think Breath of the Wild haters are now looking forward to it more. But then some weirdo rest of the like some people are just like oh that's it and it's like some people it's not enough um let me just say that first of all this is exactly what i wanted out of breath of the wild trailer i did not want some or like you know demonstration i did not want some just like lame trailer that's like trying to get us hyped this this trailer is 100 percent what this game is about or well what breath of the wild was about so it's just more of the same but it's not just more of the same it's this is what made Breath of the Wild, the goat is like understanding these physics, putting these systems into the game and letting us go wild with just how great the level design is with just how beautiful everything is. That insane sound design, having the the pedigree and the legacy behind Zelda. And then that polish that Nintendo puts in everything. And then right. here they're just like, guess what? We went more wild. 
Um, right. And let's let me let me lay the ground real quick on like how they went more wild. So like this trailer, we see you know links on the ground at first, and then we see he sees like this rock fall down from the sky, which we've seen this kind of happen in trailers before. And then he goes up to it, and then he uses one of the new abilities called Recall, which rewinds time, which we've seen it in the past in previous trailers real quickly, but we didn't know the name of it. So he re- does recall on the rock, climbs on top of it, and it sends him up into the sky. And it's all happened seamlessly. No load times, no cutscene, nothing. Just seamlessly sends him up into the sky, and then it stops, and he jumps off and floats onto one of these sky islands that we've been seeing in all these trailers. And then he go, he's up there, he comes across an enemy, fights it, uh, with a tree branch he fights it, and then the tree branch is about to break. This and we, we discover the second new ability called fuse we'll get hyped about it in a moment but he discovers fuse which now you can take literally seemingly any two items in the game and fuse them together to make it to make a new weapon a better weapon a stronger weapon a longer weapon it's wild so he takes a the stick the stick which is about to break and fuses it to a boulder which now improves the durability of the tree branch that he had and now it's like a hammer type weapon um he takes a mushroom a push a puff room i think is what it's called and fuses it to the shield so then when the enemy hits the shield a puff of smoke appears and then he's hidden and he can go stealth around it super cool stuff we then also discover a third ability which was teased in the last trailer it's called ultra hand which allows you to basically take different items and combine them together to make different structures and objects. So we see them use, take three um, different logs and he puts them together, puts two fans on them, hits the van, and now he has a makeshift boat to um, to get across a like small little mini lake, pond, river type thing. And then the last ability we see is Ascend, which we also kind of got teased a while ago as well in one of the first trailers for Tears of the Kingdom, where now, if you go in with, there are some limitations for this, but wherever there is a ceiling, you can use a sin and you will go right up through the ceiling to the top of that structure. So as they said in the demo, you can go inside a cave that's at the bottom of a mountain, use a sin to go to the ceiling and get to the very top of the mountain without having to climb it at all. Absolutely freaking wild. And then we see him jump down from the sky island and literally, watch well, he not jump down. He got knocked down from an enemy that also had a fused weapon, which was a fan, knocked off and just seamlessly falling back down to land. No load screens, no cutscenes. And surprisingly, not a single frame rate hitch at all. Like stable frame rate the entire time, right back down to the surface. Wild stuff here. Wild stuff. Like it blew my mind watching all this. Yeah. So it, it did the Nintendo thing. It did. I mean, like to me, none of this stuff is new or like it's all new, but I mean like what they're doing isn't new in the sense that this is what Breath of the Wild did. It was just like, okay, um, there, if you're solving a puzzle, if you're doing something and we've set, these are the boundaries and the rules of that. If you can find a way to like use those rules to twist everything around on us and solve puzzles or do this or do that in unconventional ways, we're going to allow you to. Um, and it's in the Nintendo way where everything just like feels polished and fun to do and also work. And then in this game, they said, well, why couldn't we do it this way? Why couldn't we do it that way? And then their like clear answer was, well, there's no reason. Let's just do it. Let's just make it. They're letting us go wild with this thing. Just, you know, um, I like I seeing this has made me happy 
that we didn't get the rumored. Remember, like a year after Breath of the Wild, where they were just basically like, "Well, they're using the same sys, they're using the same like engine, and it's going to be basically the same landscape." So we could get a Majora's Mask here, and like, I'm glad we didn't get that because mm-hmm. they wouldn't have gotten to make this intentionally broken game uh, the way they did, which is like to say if you just normally can glue weapons together, you'd be like, that game's broken, but it's like, but it's not, that's the intended design. And it also seems like they created workarounds for people's complaints. Basically they create workarounds for the haters complaints while also not ruining the integrity of what it was before. Like weapon degradation still very much exists, but fusing the weapon literally recharge, like basically recharges it. It's not like, Oh, it's more broken because you fused a, an almost broken weapon with something new. It's like brand right. new, you know, basically uh lease on life for that right. weapon. And I and... I love that right there because like I was like I got used to the weapon degradation in my most recent playthrough of the game. And while I didn't like it, I was like, okay, you know what? Like it's it's not as bad as it was my first two attempts playing the game. Like I got used to, it. I was like, all right, it's fine. I would have preferred to be better, um, or at least prefer, you know, a way like to re like to fix the weapons i guess you could say in some way shape or form uh but you know i was like fine with it whatever see here come back here and the fuse way um thing you can do with it it's like it answers my problems with it in a way in such a nintendo way or a zelda way where it's like it's so creative it's more it's more creative than just go to the person and they fix your weapon and then you're good to go it's like oh no I can take this, combine it with something else I see in the world and have an, a better weapon or a more creative weapon at my disposal than I would have otherwise. And I can do it anywhere with just about anything if I want to. And like, even with the bow and arrow, like you can combine ele- you combine food items with your arrows to have different arrows. So like, yeah. I was like, this is super cool. And I love this new system because it's going to push the creativity the imagination that you can have with what you could do in the game and this is going to be my kind of take that i think you might find blasphemous or might take issue with but stick with me here it's just my take on it okay you have hot takes i have a hot take right here i feel like the you know everyone talks about how breath of the wild oh yeah all the creativity and the systems and everything how it lets you do anything you want in any type of way you can approach different systems different accounts, however you want to. Yes, but I feel like in Breath of the Wild, you kind of had to go out your way, or I'm going to say bend over backwards, but more so like just go out your way to have like the super creative, unique ways to approach different encounters. It wasn't necessarily, how can I say? It wasn't necessarily something that was, um, not given to you. I, I wasn't something that's necessarily straightforward and baked into the, I guess, encounters of that you would come across in the game. Yeah, that's and why way it's that called this, being creative. Well, here's the thing: like you had to go out your way, so it was. It ended up to me, at least, if I wanted to be like that, it's like, well, it's more work to do that than I when I could just do this instead. Like I'm going out my way to do all this just to kill four enemies when i could just take them out normally as opposed to here tears of the kingdom stick with me here tears of the kingdom that 
get creative, have fun, get wild and wacky with how you want to take enemies out. It's like, no, you don't have to go out your way to do that. We want you to do that. So go ahead, do that and have fun doing that. Like it is intentionally well, there. And I'm that's, very much more on board with it here than I was with Breath of the Wild. That's where, you know, it was how there. making a video game works. They didn't they didn't realize people were going to take, they set laws, rules, and physics of this world. And I'm sure they knew like, oh, people have some fun with it. And people took that game and ran with it way more than Nintendo ever probably, you know, that development team especially ever thought they would. So then they did the smart thing of instead of like, leaning like going against it and being like how dare you like we wanted to have a serious world or whatever and they go said hey people love this shit let's create let's bake more of that into the game give them a bigger toolbox and let them expand on that now there's there's something nice about restriction and this is why i feel like i could there's two reasons obviously breath of wild i could still prefer over tears of the kingdom a uh you know obviously being the first is special and i think that matters right creating the innovation rather than innovating on top of that, you know, just iteration. Um, there, there's a reason first off and hold people, you know, a fond spot in people's heart beyond nostalgia. It's just more impressive to do it the first time, but also there's something nice about restrictions sometimes where it goes like, these are the rules and it's fun to create chaos and play within them. And uh, not even just like attack wise, but puzzle wise, like, you know, going like, Oh shit, I can do this this way, even though, Cause like for me, a lot of times it was, I have no idea how they want me to actually beat this puzzle. But what if I do this instead? And then it just let me do it because that was within the system, the physics of the game. It was like, okay, you beat our own logic here. We can't tell you, no, that's not how it works the way a lot of video games do. Yeah. Um, I, I will like, say the, the thing I just said about like kind of having to bend over backwards to like get creative and all that definitely was way more intentional with the puzzles in Breath of the Wild as opposed to like the combat, combat yeah. and the world where it's like, you really got to bend over backwards to get like, yeah, I, and I didn't and try to get creative that. with combat to be clear with, with puzzles. Yeah. Like you kind of, you, it was like, all right, if I don't know, let me see if this works. And like, I enjoyed that with the, with the puzzles, with the combat and everything. I was just like, why the hell am I going to like do like five different things just to get this funny kill on these guys when I could just, instead just do this. Whereas now it's like, no, 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 get creative and get wacky here we want you to do that go ahead you don't have to bend over backwards and i'm so on board with that now see and and so that leads into my second point here which was sometimes being told there is no rules makes you want to do it less you know mm-hmm. it's the old if your parents just let you run wild you would be like yeah you do it a little bit and then you're like it's not as fun you know what i mean not having those not having those like laws and physics, or well, you're gonna have the physics, but not having those laws of the universe in place as much may take away from some of the some not even just the novelty, but just the pure joy you get. It may just be like a shorter burst of joy that wears out. I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying I could see that being a reason why overall Tears of the Kingdom has less favor for me. Now I think the counter to that is like, you know, it's it doesn't, I don't want it to feel like just cause that makes sense i don't want it to be like oh let me go blah 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 explosions everywhere like i want there to be a narrative structure and a mm-hmm. reason to why we're doing the things we're doing and like i know it's not going to be some dumb lore thing but like treat it like a zelda game still but give us the wackiness within it that's i think how you be successful with it and again i'm not questioning nintendo's judgment here all we have to go off of is this this 10 minute demo i'm just playing devil's advocate for why it could be fun but ultimately not make it a better game essentially 
Yeah. And you know, one of the concerns people had that, I mean, I think you mentioned it earlier, like how do you make this world feel fresh and new when it's the same, the same ground map, essentially the sky is different entirely, but like, yeah, the same obviously they're like, yeah, map. we had a new stuff. It's like, but is the, the actual world we're going to spend most of our time on any different. Right. And like, I mean, people have posted side-by-side screenshots of like same area in both games. And there's a bit of difference here and all like that. And while like appearance wise, things might not be different, even on the ground, there's still things that we don't know much about. Like what's up with those um, things that have been like engraved in the ground? What's up with these new towers that's going on there? But like even just getting around the world, I think, and exploring it is going to feel so much different because of each of these new abilities that we have. I feel like they're going to make it so much more fun and feel like more fresh getting around. Like, the ascend thing is going to be a godsend if I want to go up a mountain and it's raining. It's like, all right, let me find a cave and just ascend my way up. Um, yeah. Even like the ultra hand thing. All right, I want to like put some things together. I don't want to have to worry about a horse. Let me put some things together and, you know, maybe make a make a car or some sort or whatever. Like it's going to be so cool and so much more fun getting to play with these things and explore the world and see what new things the world has to offer that let me take advantage of these new abilities as well. So like it alleviated my concerns in that regard too. To an extent, there's still like, we still have to actually play the game and see what is different in the world. But I'm feeling better about the world be feeling fresh, even though it's the same map in its core and essence and all like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's... the story is the last thing where we're like, all right, what's going on with the story now? We still don't really know anything about that. Dungeons as well. Like, are dungeons going to be there? Are we going to have shrines again? What's that going to be like? People, and all, but... people need to chill about dungeons. Shrines are hot take. I like shrines more. I like it. I like it bite sized. I don't need some long winded, you know, <laughs> I, I get why people like dungeons and I get that they're like, oh, well, it's like harder and there's more care put into it. And I get that. And like, I'm not saying every shrine had importance, but like the good ones were good. I like the bite sizedness of the shrines and that they're littered throughout and I have to find them. Instead of it being like, you have to go through these six dungeons and it's, you know, and it's like, I don't know. I guess it just, it depends on your play style ultimately. Like how, what do you prefer? I think a lot of the backlash to shrines where people were just like, this isn't Zelda versus like people actually analyzing. Like, what do I actually prefer? Do I prefer this long winded thing? It's like difficult and makes me throw my controller or like the good thing about shrines is you could just leave and keep beating the game. And I think some people also had, it's hard for them to get over that mental hurdle of like to beat a Zelda game, you should have to beat certain amount of dungeons. You should have to go through all this hard stuff. Whereas like, and I think that's something from software learned with Elden Ring from Breath of the Wild is like, hey, you can keep challenge in a game, but also just give people the ability to to walk away from it to say, yeah, fuck this. I don't need to do this. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. only a core amount of things you actually have to do to beat this game. You can find workarounds without it. By all means, go for it. Um, it's that freedom to just like overall, it's like a life philosophy. Like you don't have to do the hard things. Everybody's telling you keep running your head into a wall, but guess what? You don't actually have to do them. Um, and I think that implemented in a design philosophy from studios of talented as the team uh behind, you know, Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, and then of course from software doing Elden Ring is like when you see like really cool stuff emerge. Question for you. Last question about this. What is something, what are you looking forward to like fusing? Like what's, what do you want to like try and fuse together? Weapons on weapons, swords on swords. That's like where I'm like, how <laughs> weird can sword. we get? This, yeah, double sword, sword bow. You know what I mean? Like, will it let you shoot a sword as like basically an arrow with Ooh. your, with your bow and arrow? You know what I mean? Like, 
let's get weird with this. That'd be funny. It's like, I'm just imagining like you have the long sword attached, fused with like a great sword. And just the like, master, what is- send, or send the master sword careening at an enemy as an arrow. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that'd be wild. Like, I mean, I mean, I'm going to guess we can't do that since when we saw the fuse with the bow and arrow, it was only food items that you could do it with. So I'm going to guess you can't, but like, be cool. Maybe they're if you having could. that surprise. It'd be cool if you could. That'd be awesome. I'd be down for it. Uh, yeah, for me, I what do I want to fuse? I well, I guess it was gonna be double weapons, like you said. Because <laughs> I mean, we saw like the what was it? A spear? No, it was a long stick and a um, what's the what's that? The spears. It was it was a long stick and it was like the the farming tool that has the three pikes at the end of it. I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, hoe. Not the hoe. The hoe is the one where it's like. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Like a pitchfork, yeah. kind of? Pitchfork, yes. It was a long stick and a pitchfork fused together. We saw that. So I'm like, hmm, maybe we can see a sword and a sword. That'd be- there may be limitations to it. We'll see. We'll, we will see. But I'm looking forward to all the fused stuff. That looks just so cool. Like, absolutely game-changing right there. Tears of the Kingdom, man. Um, I'm on the Let's hype train. Let's go, baby. I'm, I'm officially super on the hype train. Uh, I'm jealous. Be- Nintendo. Send me a copy, please. I please. I'm jealous of all the game. I'm jealous of all the, I'm jealous of all the journalists getting to play it. Probably, and I'm gonna guess about two weeks here, maybe three, probably three-ish weeks. Nintendo's yeah. letting shy. They're gonna give them like a good two weeks, I guess, at least before. Uh, the and that's the thing. The what you call it will probably drop the um, reviews. No, yeah, but what is it called? Embargo. The, uh, huh. Embargo. The embargo will probably drop. I guess like maybe a week before the game comes out, and so at earliest probably like uh, the fifth, May fifth yeah. at the earliest. Well, it could be they. Well, I mean, Nintendo knows it's gonna be good, and so they like that when you know a game is gonna be good. Usually, you drop the embargo. Like Sony will sometimes do it like two weeks before, but mm-hmm. I would guess probably a week before, maybe three four days at the latest, and then they'll probably give the them at least two weeks. They know it's a long game. I guess is at least two weeks, maybe two and a half, three ish, um, to play it. So yeah, that would put it at let's say the fifth, two weeks. What would that be like? Middle of April. Yeah. So like two weeks, maybe three weeks tops. These these journalists are gonna be getting it. I'm so damn jealous. Me too, Nintendo, man. send me a copy, please. Please, biggest, thank you. <laughs> biggest Breath of the Wild fan ever. I'm calling your new game the baby goat. Come on, I deserve it. <laughs> do the man a solid. Let do him a solid so he could do you a solid. Just let me cry, all right? <laughs> Please and thank you. Let's do these brief mentions very fast here. Number one, Steam is not going to be supporting Windows 7, 8, or 8.1 starting on January 1st, 2024. So Steam users, make sure your OS is up to date. PS Plus games for April are Meet Your Maker. Sackboy A Big Adventure, and Tales of Iron, all of them, PS5 and PS4 games right there. Resident Evil 4 Remake has sold 3 million copies in two days, making it the best-selling remake project of those recent releases. RE2 Remake sold 3 million copies in its first, shipped 3 million copies in its first week, sorry. Whereas RE3 Remake was confirmed to have sold 3.9 million after a year and a half of release. So RE4, doing wild as expected for spoken's intanta we trust dlc will be releasing on may 26th it's set after the main story Frey ends up traveling 25 years back into the past during the pivotal purge of the red egg if you played the game you know what that event is and you know it's a big deal 
she will find herself fighting alongside Tanta Sinta as she uncovers new magical powers to use in the fight to save Athia in the past. I'm very excited for that stuff. Actually, really cool. Really cool premise there. Live Alive is coming to PlayStation and PC on April 27th. PS Plus and Steam members can pre-order the game at a 20% discount, making the game cost 40 bucks. There's also a free demo that will transfer save data to the full game. I'll be getting it on PS5. I was I wanted to play yeah, it for I, a while, but I'm gonna be. I heard it was really now. cool. Uh, I know, like Blessing Adiodia Jr. He gave it like like he was just raving about it. So I was like, yeah, but it, do I want to play it on Switch? And now I'm like, oh yeah, I'll play it. I see. I want to like, get it on Switch. I'll I'm hopefully get around it. to it. Yeah. Final Fantasy 16 has gone gold. Let's go. Let's go, baby. I'm looking forward I'm to it. Play it. I'm I'll, I'll be playing the day one. Same here. I'm hopefully I can take a day off to play it. Microsoft has ended its $1 Game Pass trial. In a statement to The Verge, the company said that they are, quote, evaluating different marketing promotions for new members in the future, end quote. And last but not least, Microsoft will be happy because Japan has approved the Activision Blizzard acquisition in their region. Yay, Microsoft. Good for you all. Okay, Tyler, you want to talk about Resident Evil 4? Uh, yeah, well... I don't know how you want to structure this. If you were going to talk about Final Fantasy X, I feel like that should go first. Um, I'm I'm not. I'm good. okay. Fair enough. So if you want, I can. If we're just going to do Diablo talk after this, we can end on that, and I can. Uh, first, I rolled credits on Power Watch Simulator. Long game, honestly. I think I put at least twenty to twenty five hours into it, maybe longer. Um, fun game has like a kooky little ending. Um, I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize it released on console this year. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, if now I think beat like this Resident Evil 4 might be 10 games I've beat this year already. I'm on nice. a decent little pace here. Um, but yeah, last night or well, today technically, uh, like way earlier at like two in the morning, my time, um, I beat Resident Evil 4 remake, which is only my second Resident Evil to beat. I beat five back in the day when it came out. Um, just because I heard Resident Evil was like really cool and you know, people liked it a lot. And then my parents were like, it was one of the, it's like the first MI game where they were just like, yeah, sure, we'll buy it for you. I was like 15 at the time. Um, and played a co-op with my friend, had a blast. Um, but in hindsight, that game is like definitely got some racist overtones <laughs> to it with uh with all that. Like I saw a sketch on TikTok where they were just like, Yeah, it's the racist one, which <laughs> and they're gonna remake it, which it seems like they're intended. They definitely should change elements of that story for sure. Um, though they may be unintended, you know, they're definitely relying on uh, racist tropes. Uh, but four, I think four has been slightly accused of that a little bit, but not nearly to the degree um, that five is. But four is definitely interesting. Um, I played like I played some of seven and eight, um, and I will say I think resoundingly I do prefer the third person in Resident Evil. I'll just say that as as a whole. Not that I think the first person is bad. It's just it does add an unnecessary level of tension to the horror elements. And then when you get past the horror, there's some of the functionality. I think the game just works better as a third person uh, game. Like as for mm-hmm. you know, as far as action goes, and far as um, when you're actually running around doing stuff, and you get past those moments of tension. Um, yeah, but I I see why this is one is considered one of the greats for sure. Like I get it. It, I don't think every aspect necessarily holds up, but I think that's okay. I think it's intended. I think not changing with the design so much that it completely 
there are elements to me where I'm like, this does feel like a game of time, but it's purely from a design is that design point. Like it aesthetically is gorgeous. Even though I just played on a 1080 monitor. It's still really good looking game. I'm sure in 4k, it looked even better. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it plays relatively well. It, like especially the I get the especially the beginning moments right the uh, village I was gonna show ask up. what you thought about the village encounter yeah and like when the chainsaw dude shows up at first um and I I forgot because it's that moment and I know that this is like five isn't like this but I know this is like a Resident Evil thing and a horror thing in general of like you don't always have to fight everything sometimes you just run around and so I mm-hmm. unintentionally did that and I'm like how the fuck am I supposed to beat all these people there's like this giant crowd. <laughs> And then I just keep running around. And then apparently I'd ran around long enough just trying to find an answer that it triggered the like next moment where the like bell starts ringing and they all get like brought up. And so like you get to avoid that, uh, that combat situation. So the fact that I didn't get mad, look it up or anything was nice. Cause it was organic. It was just like me panicking and be like, shit, 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 shit. What do I do? What do I do? What do, I do? What do, I do? Running <laughs> like, around trying to find any survive. solution, trying to find more ammo, some health just dodging enemies after like initially fighting the first handful and the chainsaw guy shows up and I'm like, what am I going to do here? You know, it's, <laughs> like, like, what am I doing? So here? I'm just go. running everywhere. And then it's like organically being like, Oh, mo- that moment of relief, but it is intense when he shows up. Um, And then it's interesting. Cause I do think like there are pockets that are super well balanced and tight. feels like the right amount of ammo, the right amount of like, everything in general and i was i played on standard mode didn't play on like hardcore but i also didn't play on easy um and you're like okay this feels like the right amount of ammo to where it's like it gets slightly scarce but you feel like you can just pull it out and it's like you know there are some enemy and you're just like running around and everything feels tense and like it should be and there's other moments where it feels like you're like it's you get an imbalance of kind of ammo or whatever or like a bunch of grenades for example, and I, when I fought the first, when I actually fought the chainsaw guy when it's one on one, I think I like a couple heavy grenades or heavy grenades hadn't been introduced, but I have a couple grenades. I just like lob them at him, and I have a couple. I have a plethora of shotgun rounds. So I ended that dude's life in like <laughs> two minutes. Like it just felt like OP, but it was it wasn't like I'd done anything crazy. I just stuck the pistol ammo like the ensuing or the previous fifteen minutes. Um, just kind of preserved my shotgun ammo, and then I had those grenades, and so it was just like super easy um so it is kind of funny but in a good way like this is a video game ass video game like it's not pretending to be more than it is and i think that's probably what a lot of people like about it um i very much enjoyed it i think resident evil smartly understands that part of what makes like a like american horror fun is camp like it in it's goofy it's wacky and it doesn't take itself seriously all the time like there are moments where it's like trying to intentionally be scary and it does elicit this got me with a couple jump scares but it's not over like there's those moments of tension there's those moments of horror and there's moments of running around pulling out a rocket launcher one-shotting a boss fight you know um yeah and like the dumb one-liners like this game is a lot of fun while also being scary it's just like it is a really good blockbuster kind of kind of feeling game um yeah without feeling without a million cutscenes, without feeling overproduced. Um, and I definitely understand. I, I didn't play a lot of two. I was telling you how it like almost bricked my PS4. So, <laughs> but I can see how kind of like what I've seen of the older resident evils, this is more action paced, but I do think people acting like 
it straight up was like way more actiony than the first two. That to me feels maybe a little overblown. Um, five definitely jumps the shark there. Uh, five is very action heavy. Um, was well, probably but- also you know thinking about the fact that two and three, the original two and three back in the day, they were like fixed camera, way slower in terms of controlling the characters and everything. And then four was the first one where it's like it kind of cemented this third person over the shoulder perspective, which was like a completely new perspective on how you played Resident Evil combined with the new approach to the design and everything. So like in comparison four probably most definitely is way more action, more action heavy than the original two and three. Whereas now with the remake two, three and four, they all have a similar design of over the I'm shoulder. I'm just going to say this though. And all like I that. think fixed cameras are dumb and a byproduct of their time of like, I think that's like more an act of necessity. And I think those developers will admit to you that oh, sure. like the game being harder equals being scarier. Like I get that. That doesn't make it a better game. Like, I don't think they're in, I think they probably wanted a little more action when they originally made four, but I don't think their intent was like this third person view is going to take away from the horror. Cause I think it probably in a lot of ways also evokes more horror in certain situations. Yeah. And then from a quality of life perspective, it's obviously just way better. Um, yeah. So I get why it's a one of the greats. I can't draw any comparisons as far as like what was changed because I haven't played Resident Evil 4, which does make me kind of want to go back and play it. I think it'd be interesting in Oculus. I've heard that like pre, some people said it was the definitive way to play it before obviously the remake came out. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting to me because it doesn't seem like a game I would necessarily immediately be like, oh yeah, make that VR. VR. But I guess I can also see how they essentially said yeah well we made village and and uh seven and biohazard you know uh first person so let's just do that with this we'll throw it basically on like that and then develop the vr portions um which kind of makes sense in that village at times felt like a third person game they just threw a first person camera on i think Mm. that's why i didn't like some of the movement uh and it felt a little clunky to me um but overall fantastic fantastic game I don't know if I'd give it like a 10 out of 10. I understand why some people might, but for me, like I understand this game's a little longer than the original one. Some of the pacing did feel off. um, And I don't know if it's stuff that they added that made me ultimately feel that way, or it's just, I would have felt that way no matter what, but um, like not filler filler, but there's just some moments where it's like, as is necessary or like, it felt like spiked difficulties. Like, again, I felt like I had a good cadence of like what felt naturally intense and hard versus like what felt artificially spiked or too easy. There felt like moments where there was just like, let's just make this hard or make it like a super obtuse puzzle for no reason, just to pad out the length. Um, Because otherwise we just kind of be zooming through this portion of the story. Um, I'd probably give it like a nine, maybe an eight and a half. Like I'd be kind of torn, you know, with some more, perspective and thinking about it longer maybe settle between that eight and a half or nine but i did really enjoy it see why it's beloved and uh it's not my goatee just because of how much i love hi-fi rush but it is a damn good game and one i'll think about fondly i i thought about like should i just play all the resident evils honestly i've been wanting to like i want to get two and three and then four and just go through each of them yeah it's just those for sure i would like to kind of take a look at now yeah, and I still got to finish seven. I'm like halfway through seven. And I haven't finished that game yet. And I started it two years ago. So one of these days I'll get around to finishing it. And I didn't stop. I stopped playing for no reason other than I was playing one night. I said, all right, I'll try this boss tomorrow. And I never went back to play. I started playing something else instead. So 
I do have to finish that one. Um, but cool. Thank you very much for telling me about Resident Evil 4. Happy you enjoyed it. Yeah, no so problem. Much. So finishing us out, though, is a game we both played. Yeah, I finally got a chance to play the Diablo 4 beta um, on Sunday. It's past Sunday. I didn't get to play it too long. I got to play for about three to four hours or so, I think, about that long. I was like, I started playing around eight-ish, stopped playing a bit before 12 or a bit after 12. I forgot exactly yeah. how long. Um, but man, like I, I was already looking forward to Diablo 4, right? Like I've never played a Diablo game before. Uh, but this one, I think after we first saw a gameplay for it last year, I think it was, um, I was like, oh, that seems fun. That seems interesting. So it had been on my radar Then this beta came along and I said, I'm going to give it a shot, you know, give it a shot, see how I like it. And God damn, this game sunk its teeth into me way faster and way deeper than I ever expected it to. I'll say that. Like I, the class I played was a rogue. I did a rogues. I was like, yeah, seems like it'll be fun. You know, a mix of up close and range. That'll be a nice setup to have. Um, I got my character to level anywhere from level 10 to 15. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, like, you level up quickly that first portion. Yeah, like I I of course I didn't have too much time to play, but I leveled up a fair amount in the time that I played. Uh so let me see. Couple things. One, I like the world. The world is freaking dark and depressing and you know it actually reminded me a lot of the castlevania anime which i know you haven't seen uh, but people, uh, yeah, who have seen, people who have seen it will understand what i mean and i mean hey maybe this is how all diablo games are in terms of like story and world but uh yeah this one really I can comment on that a little that. bit uh because gersman was talking about this specifically with four that he didn't necessarily like it gets kind of weirdly religious with like how like like, obviously, the other games aren't pro-demon, but the other games are just kind of like, the demons are here, devil's here, just go fight him, go kill him. Whereas this one's, like, get taps in a little bit of that religious deep, like, oh, the... Like, you know, it just... It gets, like, more weirdly religious than it's, like, from what he's seen in the game. And I, I kind of agree. I, like, I didn't want to watch all the cutscenes. I watched two or three, and I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's, okay. This is <laughs> kind of annoying. Which, real quick, I wanted to follow up with. Also, Resident Evil 4 kind of radly anti-religious like it is <laughs> i would not be surprised if like religious people play it and feel like it's a little blasphemous because it's like I, it unintentionally takes a lot of pot shots at like religion and then it takes some intentional ones and i was just like fuck yeah this game is cool you'd probably Bonus be point. down you'd probably cool be down with uh, my book you'd probably be down with final fantasy 10 story then uh that's probably yeah if that's, yeah that's if it's got those overtones you've You've uh, you had my interest. Now you've got my attention. <laughs> you know? That's another conversation. Um, but no, yeah, like I, it reminded me a bit of Castlevania. And like I said, this, maybe this is how it is in all Diablo games. But like Castlevania anime, uh, you know, Dracula. He's it's not like Dracula disappeared and came back. Like he's always here, and like the demons are all in the world. People are hiding in their towns from the demons, and like demons have like completely eradicated some towns. You have some towns where they like worship the demons and all like that so like playing this reminded me so much of the show on top of the fact that the main character the guy voice actor sounds a lot like the guy like trevor's voice actor from castlevania so it felt like i was playing my an action rpg version of castlevania the anime which was dope to an extent that aside though 
What were you gonna say? Okay, I was gonna say it is interesting because I'm sure you watch some of the cutscenes, right? I watched like all the in Diablo. Scenes. Yeah, okay. I watched the ball. The way they portray Diablo, the way they portray the demons and Satan is almost kind of how like Resident Evil 4 portrays like the church. Yeah, like yeah, you know, when Lilith, you know, they're in the church and then Lilith came in and then they all just like, Yeah, we we're with you. And then straight but up also, murdered the priest. I was like, Oh my god, this is but way also, darker than I thought it was gonna be. To be clear, Lilith way cooler than anything they portray. Cause like Diablo does it where it's like Oh, like, aren't these guys so bad? And I'm like, oh, Lilith kind of kicks ass. <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I was like, I get it. You know, I'm not saying she's right, but I get it. It's like, I don't know if you saw, uh, I posted a screenshot. I was like, hey there, demon mommy. How's it no, going? I did not see that. I'm like, hey there, demon mommy. <laughs> it's like, okay. They saw people like Resident Evil 8 and they were just like, <laughs> but no, so story, I'm, I'm down on the story. I'm enjoying the story. Uh, what I played of it so far. Like I played in terms of progress on the demo, I played up to the point where, okay, your next, you get like three other main story quests to go do. Um, and like, hey, just like basically explore this region. Like, like you made it to the main central town hub. Now people are running around in the world, uh, you know, as willy nilly. Yeah. And after that happened, I, I kind of understood what you meant. You were like, I kind of don't want everyone running around in my game. <laughs> and like, I, oh, I felt it a bit in the hub town where I was like, okay, like, whoa, all these people are here all of a sudden. And like, that is the social space. So it makes sense. I didn't feel it as much when I went out into the world. Like I only came across maybe one other person, like, and, you know, walking around with me. And I was like, okay, it's not as bad. Maybe I'll feel different. Like if I played more, but like doing the world events, uh, I failed a world event. I had to protect this woman that was trapped under a cart and like more demons were coming. And like, I was trying, man, but like at the last minute, she died. And I was like, I'm sorry. It was like 10 seconds up to the clock. You could have made it. You, you could have survived, but you didn't. Uh, but yeah, like playing the rogue was cool, like dashing around, uh, taking pot shots at people from a distance, but also being able to play up close and take them out up close. Uh, the skill tree, oh my God, the skill tree is like so deep and so nuanced and in depth that like, I was like, all right, I'm not going to get too in the weeds with it right now, but I know I'm, like it's going to be a real in the weeds type of game in terms of like trying to pick the right skills for my play style and all like that. It's I had a lot of fun with it. And just in that three, four hours, I could tell like, man, this game is going to eat up so much of my time because like after like the day after, like as soon as I finished, I deleted it because I was like, oh, I'm not gonna have time to play, you know, Monday morning before the beta is done or whatever. Yeah. So I deleted it. And then all the week long, I was like, kind of want to play some Diablo 4 right now, but I can't. <laughs> I kind of want to play some Diablo 4 because it just it just bit me like that. The bug bit me way, way more than I thought it was going to. Just seeing the scale of that world map and how we're in one small it's section huge, yeah. of it. I was like, Oh my God. And I did a dungeon. I did like two dungeons. I went through and all. And I was just like, man, this game, it's so freaking good. Just the gameplay is addictive. The world and story are engrossing. The characters are interesting. It's, it's just going to be a great game. I, I already know it's going to be a great game. And it could potentially be like a goatee contender for me. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun. I don't care about the the story really all that much. Um, but I'm I'm a hundred percent like I mean, like I said, yet last week my biggest impression playing me and my girlfriend playing it, I was just like, oh yeah, we're gonna play, we're singing a hundred hours into this battle. <laughs> like it's just a fun, addictive game for me. 
definitely not like Cody contender, but um, still not like bad by him. I mean, you spend a hundred hours playing something and enjoying it. It's hard to be like, this game sucks, but you know, it <laughs> may not be my favorite. Um, yeah. especially, you know, with tears of the kingdom with, I mean, hi-fi rush even still like, God, what a game. Um, mm-hmm. and I played Resident Evil 4 remake, just absolutely banger. Um, and we still got more to come. So like, I'm yeah. definitely hyped, but yeah, I'm glad now you'll get to be in on the Diablo review train. Uh, whenever yeah. I do that, so I'm hope, hopefully I'll be able to get it day one when it comes out. Cause like I was talking to you about, um, before the show, um, I may or may not review Tears of the Kingdom, and if I am, it may be bleeding into when Diablo comes out. So I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure when I'll be able to play Diablo, but I hopefully I'll be able to be there like at launch or shortly after launch before Final Fantasy comes out at the end of June. It's going to be a fun time. Exciting times all around. Looking forward to be able to talk about that game more in depth when the full version also comes out. Also going to be a hilarious cliff when we go from like June, May, June, and then July. <laughs> July yeah, is gonna be the funniest dip ever. Um, you know what? I'm fine with it though. I'm fine with it because I'm gonna be playing. Oh yeah, like we're gonna need the time to play all this other stuff. Right. We didn't get to play, but right. I'm gonna like I'm gonna be playing Final Fantasy 16 in June. I mean in July, and then August. I'm gonna be going on vacation in the middle of the month. So like, take your time, guys. Do what you gotta do. We'll come back <laughs> in September for Starfield and Spider Man, and then we'll get right back into the swing of things from there. Uh. That said, though, let's wrap up episode 101 of the Play to Win podcast. Thank you all so very much for watching and or listening. This was a meaty one, a juicy one, but a fun one nonetheless. Uh, check out the site, playwayogameswordpress.com, home for all of our content, so hit it up. Links are in the description, of course. Hit, up, uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at play to win Game. Follow us there for updates on the show and just chat with us there. Let us know your thoughts. Are you, you know, What do you think about E3? Is it coming back? Do you think Multiverses has a chance with the second life? Are you hyped for Tears of the Kingdom? And are you on the same train as Tyler and believe that PSVR 2 is dead in the water? <laughs> Let us know all your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram and in the comment section down below on YouTube. You leave us a like, leave a comment, and uh, hit that notification bell as well. Share the show with anyone and everyone. And subscribe on YouTube and on podcast services. Leave that five-star review. It's all very helpful and greatly appreciated. Tyler, where can the people find you? Uh, Good Game We Lost on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Fantastic. You could find me on Twitter. A link on where you can find me. Uh, <laughs> find me on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. Thank you all so very much for watching and or listening. And we'll talk with you all next time. Have a, Have good, a good one, one everyone. everyone.